This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Speak truth. Speak truth. We start. This is the kingdom. You're listening to the End Campaign's Church Politics Podcast, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a biblical worldview. We're not trying to be progressive or conservative. We're trying to be faithful Christians in the public square. This is the kingdom. The kingdom. Yes, it is. Gotta spread the word. Which are no good, and Camp. You're listening to the Ann Campaign's Church Politics Podcast with Justin Gibney. That's me and the Windy City representative, the baddest brother above the Mason-Dixon line, the right reverend, Christopher Butler. Let me stop playing. Chris ain't here today. Um, it is just me. Chris is traveling uh, and couldn't make it on this episode. And so I want to apologize up front, I want to apologize in advance for you to having to deal with me. It's just going to be me today on, on this episode. Uh, it's just going to be a Gibbony monologue, a Gibbony rant. And I want to apologize for that because you're, you're not going to have the interviews or the back and forth that you usually get on this uh, on this podcast. It's just going to be me with my monologue, with my rant about something that my staff and some and campaign supporters are telling me that I need to address. There's a tweet that we sent out uh, on Monday that got a lot of criticism from left and right that uh, spawned a lot of different accusations. And folks are telling me I need to straighten it out, that it's in the need of a little straightening. And so I'm going to spend this entire episode focusing on kind of the conversation about progressivism and conservatism as seen by the and campaign and a lot of the accusations that come our way because we don't just go along with one side and a lot of people really don't they really don't like that and so we're going to get into that in a minute but before i get into the conversation into that conversation and into my little rant on that issue i gotta shout out one of my guys i gotta shout out nate collins and revoice you gotta check out revoice at revoice U.S. Revoice is an organization that really supports and encourages same sex attracted Christians who are trying to observe the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality. This I mean, this organization has really spoken to my heart. I've learned so much from how they talk about these issues, and I want you to consider supporting them. I want you to consider going to or listening to uh, Revoice 21, which is their conference coming up, I think, on October 7th. Uh, man, you guys got to check this out. They do so much good work. And really, they're about discipleship, dignity and community. Like the Ann campaign, they believe that it is not a sin to be same sex attractive. It's not a sin to have those struggles and to try to understand who you're supposed to be through God's word, why you deal with those struggles. Now, if you're somebody like me who has themselves struggled with the Christian sexual ethic for different reasons, I think you should have a lot of 
uh, compassion and and really just show a lot of support to this effort, because too often Christians who are same sex attracted or they have these issues do not feel like they have a place to go. These are people who are saying, no, I believe what God says is right. I'm not going to pick up a system of belief or go along with LGBTQ behavior. But it's still good for people to have a community, for people to be discipled, to know that they have dignity. And that's what Revoice does. So I want you to check out Revoice. I want you to consider supporting or or, or going to uh, Revoice 21, which is going to be in Dallas, Texas, from October 7th to October 9th. Go to uh, Revoice US to learn more about Revoice 21. This is an organization that uh, we care for, that we're going to support. Thank you, Nate, for all that you do. And I just want to let folks know what is going on with Revoice because we care about folks uh, in our community. and We want to take care of them. Something else I got to talk about very quickly because it's still going on is the Olympics. I talked about this last episode. We're serious about the Olympics. Me, me and my sons are still watching the Olympics uh, very tribally. And uh, it looks like the U.S. is actually up in medal count. But we're down a little bit when it comes to total gold medals. So we don't have the most gold medals. We're right below China, but we have the most medals in general. So we need to get that fixed. We need to take care of business. But I can't delay this rant any longer. So so get ready. You know what it is. Grab your Bible. Get your mind right and prepare to think not like a Republican, not like a Democrat. But like a Christian. And let me start off with some scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verse six says, be careful. Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's the new international version. The King James version says this. Then Jesus said unto them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. In other words, Jesus is saying here, which the disciples didn't immediately understand, and he really thought they were talking about, he was talking about uh, 11. In other words, what Jesus is saying is be careful about following the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These two groups were the two prominent religious sects in Jesus' day, and their ideas were corrupt. They were corrupted by And they were riddled with things like legalism, self-interest, a lust for power, pride, and so on. Their teachings included lies that would grow and rise like yeast, significantly compromising the listener if they weren't on guard. Conversely, Jesus offered something different. Not different for the sake of being different or different merely stylistically or semantically. No, different substantively. Different in principle, different in focus, different in frame, and different in foundation. He wasn't trying to be the antithesis of either group. He wasn't trying to combine both groups and be the synthesis of both. To do that would have been to center one group or the other. 
But just Jesus didn't do that because Jesus was centering God. He was centering his father, which caused a contrast by nature with these other groups, by the nature of his message, not trying to find some squishy or indecisive middle ground, but trying to find the truth. Jesus brought good news that neither sought to appease nor be the opposite of the options that were already available. But he brought an entirely different framework, one that was so righteous and so just that it would inevitably dismantle what the world had already established as the option. Jesus did not throw up his hands and just choose what was already on the menu. He was not concerned about choosing a side. He was concerned about what was true and what was good. He was concerned about what best served his father. And he wouldn't be able to get what was he wouldn't be able to get to what was good and what was true. If he had to process everything and every single issue through the frameworks of the ideologies and theologies made by human hands. Something had to change. Now, we will all fall short of what Jesus achieved in that regard. But our public witness, and this is my, my, my first assertion, my first contention, our public witness must follow his lead in that regard. What I'm saying, people, is don't settle for distortions. Don't settle for broken frameworks in our intellectually intellectual laziness or just based on convenience. Do something different. Do something more biblical. All right. Now, I, I go through that scripture to say this. There's a serious problem in the Christian public witness today. To be more accurate, there's several problems, but we'll focus on one specific and significant problem on this particular episode. The issue is that many Christians can't understand politics outside of the prominent frameworks presented by conservatives and progressives. And too many Christians are not on guard. They're not being careful. They're not being vigilant when it comes to the teachings of their most trusted ideology. Not only that, they get upset when people and groups like the Ann campaign Tell them to be vigilant. Tell them to be on guard. Tell them to apply greater scrutiny to their ideological tribe. That is something that makes a lot of a lot of Christians very upset. If you question progressivism, if you question ideological conservatism, they get upset. Even though the Bible, I, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it would be OK with Christians not being vigilant and not applying that level of scrutiny. When the end campaign campaign says that neither conservatism nor progressivism will be the master of our social action. When we say we'll critique and challenge those points of view when necessary. 
we're immediately accused from both sides of of three things. Either we're accused of being of, of naivete, uh, or we're accused of 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 deception, or of equivocation. Because apparently, it's naive to think that you can engage politics without espousing a form of conservatism that, to be honest, missed the entire civil rights movement. And sorry, guys, but there's re- there's a reason that no one trusts conservatives on racial justice. Let's be honest about the history. Let's be honest. We have receipts. And we can look on the other end. Because based on the comments that we get when we critique progressivism, it's apparently naive to think that you can engage politics compassionately without espousing a form of of progressivism that is so open minded and so permissive that it sexualizes children. And now in certain parts of it tells women that prostitution is a viable career choice. It's like. It's like prostitution isn't inherently abusive, exploitative and mentally and emotionally devastating. But you have a lot of thinkers, a lot of thought leaders on this side who will present it now as a viable career choice. Then we look to the right and we see that many conservatives are so orderly, are so about law and order that justice isn't a priority. We're talking about some Christians here that won't prioritize justice because they're so focused on other things. And then progressives are so evolved, free and equitable, that biology and physiology no longer need to be consulted or acknowledged in issues of gender and sex. Not because these elite adherents of scientism have proven anything in that regard through science. They haven't proven anything in that regard. But simply because they said so. And they have a lot of degrees and they have a lot of money and they have a lot of a lot of white privilege. So what they say, notwithstanding the evidence. Is facts. It's what society has to go along with, even if there hasn't been a real dialogue or debate about it. They said it. In academia, they said it when they fund activism. And so that's what it is. They said it in pop culture. So that's what goes. Again, when we say we refuse to blindly follow conservatism or progressivism, they say we're being naive. They say we're being deceitful or that we're equivocating. Because apparently it's deceitful to say you're a Christian And then think that Amos, Jeremiah, Isaiah and Jesus spoke about justice as it applied to the social context. If you believe that, if you can look at Amos's words and see justice in a social context, then you're not really a Christian. So when Amos talked about how they were how how the king and society was treating the poor, when he talked about partiality in the courts, That doesn't apply now. That was just in that time period. That that doesn't really apply now. That's just what was going on then. That wasn't social justice. And apparently, it's deceitful 
to say that you're compassionate, to say that you're loving and that you're for equality, if your compassion doesn't satisfy every element of what secular progressives say compassion is. Don't even bring it up unless it matches our definition perfectly. Not a biblical definition, and these are Christians, not a biblical definition, but the, the definition that we have received in society. Which means you can't disagree with anything someone deeply feels. If someone deeply feels it, it must be right and they must act on it. And if you disagree, then you're a heartless animal. It's impossible to love someone and disagree with them. Show me where that's at in the Bible. Show me where that's at in your personal relationships, because you don't there's nobody that you probably love that you agree with everything they do. And you're not erasing them to say that you disagree with them when you'll protect them and when you'll give your last for them. And to be clear, when it comes to this compassion issue. You have to understand that it only applies to people that progressives sympathize with. This is this is a key. You got to remember this. This whole thing about you have to agree with people, it only applies to people they sympathize with. It doesn't apply to someone that white progressives have, have, haven't given victim status to. If you haven't received that status by the arbiters of all that stuff, then this doesn't really apply to you. It just applies to the people they want it to. Well, I'm just getting started, folks. And so uh, uh, I'll be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And we're back on the church politics podcast why well, say we but it's really just me justin gibney in the middle of a rant and for those who, who of you have who have stuck with me through this rant i greatly appreciate you but hopefully you are getting something out of it let me ask you a question maybe a couple questions what does it say about the state of christianity when we can only understand politics through one of two extremely distorted lenses what does it say when Christians get mad at the idea that conservatism or progressivism isn't perfectly aligned with the gospel? When Christians get mad, when you even insinuate that, how in the world is that a heretical assertion? You see, the Christians who dare to question those ideologies aren't naive. It's the ones who refuse to question those ideologies who are being naive. And history tells us that when Christians refuse to correct or challenge their tribe or the spirit of the day, then tragedies happen and Christians end up with blood on their hands. When it comes to ideologies and concepts and ideas outside of the gospel, there are things that we can draw from them. There, th those things can can be helpful, maybe even edifying to some extent. But we have to be vigilant. But we have to be on guard. 
We can't be so accepting of any particular ideology or any particular system of belief and not run it through biblical scrutiny. Unless you can sit here and tell me that conservatism or progressivism always leads to the right and faithful conclusion. Then there's got to be reason to say that the gospel is neither. Unless one of these two are infallible. Then they can be corrected and they must be corrected by the Christian witness. And that's really what the end campaign is saying. We're saying if you're progressive, OK, cool, be on guard. If you're cons- a conservative, OK, there might be some merit to that. Be vigilant. Don't just accept what's coming to you because those teachings are not infallible. They have lies in them which can rise and grow and taint you. To say the gospel witness is neither right nor left is to say that it doesn't follow either framework and that it isn't restricted by the conclusions of either. You see, at some point, at some point, Christians, conservatism and progressivism run afoul of the gospel perhaps to drastically different degrees, given the particular issue. I'll give you that, but they both run afoul. And even on the issues where you might think one gets it a lot better, if it doesn't get it perfectly, if if there are certain things that could, because they're not truthful or because they're not compassionate, that are off, then you still have to address it. Because as I've said many times over and over again, just because the uh, gangrene in my left foot is more advanced than the gangrene in my right foot doesn't mean I can ignore the gangrene in my right foot. They both can kill me. And so it's not false equivalency to say that they both can kill me, even if they're uh, even if they're advanced to different uh, degrees. This is the heart of what we're trying to say. We don't critique conservatism because we're trying to promote secular progressivism. We critique conservatism because it's errant and it's not the best way to combat the ills of secular progressivism. Our our critique of progressivism isn't an endorsement of conservatism. What it is, is to say that progressivism is errant and that it isn't the best way to critique the ills of conservatism. These are not the only two ways to look at the world. And in as much as they are lenses and frameworks to look at the world, they do not meet a biblical standard, even if you think one is a lot better than the other. So for somebody to say that the gospel is not conservative or progressive, that it's not left or right, means to say, stay on your guard because you can be misled if you're following an ideology rather than following the gospel. Again, neither progressivism or conservatism are our North Star. There are things that one or the other might get right, might be in line with Christianity from time to time. That's fine. You can be in a party. You can you can participate in uh, ideological conversations and even gain something from that. But be on guard. Beware. That should not be an outlandish thought for Christians. To make sure that as you move forward and that as you make decisions, That the gospel is at the center of those decisions. 
to understand that all the money that comes into uh, these ideological tribes, all the ulterior motives, all the things that you cannot see, even with a trained eye, that you're not going to know everything that's going on. That means that you have to be vigilant because you cannot just follow along with everything that an ideology provides to you. That's the point. The point is not to find, hey, uh, this side is, you know, uh, Uh, My measurement shows that they're this far to the left and the other side is this far to the right. And so we have to calculate perfectly that we're in the middle. That's ridiculous. This is not about finding some indecisive, squishy middle ground so that you can uh, critique both sides, but never take a position so that they can critique you. On the issues where we think the Bible speaks clearly, the and campaign tries to take a very clear stance. The problem that people have in many instances is that stance doesn't match exactly what their ideology tells them it should be. And either you're right or wrong, either you're with us or you're completely against us. And that just doesn't fit how we do politics and how a lot of other folks, even folks before the end campaign came along, we didn't create any of this stuff. That's not that doesn't fit a faithful Christian witness. If you want to call yourself a conservative or progressive, go along, go ahead and call yourself that. But beware. Be on guard because those teachings are not pure. And the closer you try to get to ideological purity, the more you're centering something that is not biblical, that can lead you astray. And that's what we're trying to get at. Let's take one more break and then we'll get back into it. Are you too progressive for conservatives? and too conservative for progressives? As a Christian, do you find yourself feeling politically homeless? If so, then you're not alone. Listen, this is Justin Gibney, president of the AND campaign. And if you're a Christian who doesn't know a whole lot about politics or someone who knows a good deal about politics but wants to be more faithful in the public square, then you have to read the AND campaign's book, Compassion and Conviction. The AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement that we published with InterVarsity Press. Whether you just want to understand the relationship between church and state, why Christians should engage politics at all, how Christians should engage partisanship, politics and race, advocacy and protest, or even civility, this is the book for you. It's very much Bible-centered. It's Bible study and small group friendly. There are questions and exercises after every chapter that give you a framework for engaging politics in a biblical way. So if you want to do it in a better way, get our book, Compassion and Conviction, The End Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. Christian, when progressives try to tell you what love is and the elements thereof, beware. When conservatives try to tell you what justice is and what it isn't, be on guard. And that's not to say that they can't get something right. That's not to say that there's not something that Christians might need to hear that might correct something that we're getting wrong. But it is to say that you cannot accept it uncritically. It is to say that there could be something within those teachings That leads us astray, that leads us away from what the Bible would have us know and believe, that leads us away from truth, that leads us away from compassion, that leads us away from justice and moral order. Beware. 
be on guard. You see, the Ann campaign is often accused of being deceitful and purposefully unclear. If we don't define every word that we used in a 280 character tweet. And anybody who tweets knows that that's actually impossible. Like you, you literally can't do it. But from what I hear, from what these Twitter streets tell me, we're hiding something. If we don't define justice and the historic Christian sexual ethic, ethic in every single tweet that we mention it in, we must give a clear definition, even though thousands of people understand what we're trying to get at. And that if you put it in context, you know what we're saying. We're trying to hide something and being, being deceitful if we don't do that. We must be doing something very deceitful, something sinister. Um, we'll be accused of, of trying to trick people into thinking that we're compassionate, but we're really not compassionate. We're just trying to trick people into thinking that. We're just trying to trick people into thinking that we're doctrinally orthodox uh, when we're really not. And maybe before making these allegations, it would be helpful to do some due diligence. If you actually do your research, you might find out our little secret. You might find that we're not hiding anything at all. And that'll be clear to you because we've actually written a whole book. We've actually written an entire book detailing our Bible-based positions and definitions in relation to social justice and the historic Christian sexual ethic. We've actually put this out into the public square, citing scripture and citing all the other uh, necessary but lesser sources. We've done that. We've written statements applying our theological positions to the issues of the day and had those statements signed by theologians like Dr. Esau McCauley, uh, pastors from all over the country and just Christians in the pews, everyday Christians like you and me. We've talked about these issues and all the, those folks who've been following uh, the Ann campaign or following or supporting. I'd, I'd like to use a term supporting the Ann campaign and listening to church politics for a long time. You know that we talk about these issues ad nauseum on this on this podcast. And you like listening to these this podcast because we don't stray away from the tough issues. But, you know, people don't want to do their homework these days. Folks just want to get emotional and tweet hot takes. And then uh, and when and, and, and when a Google search could have really debunked their charge, they'd rather just keep pushing the charge that they've come up with. It's easier to spew uh, accusations, parrot ideological talking points and put a cross around the neck of lies and call it Christian than to actually look into what you're saying to see if it's true. It doesn't take much. I mean, let's be honest. The book is sold on ChristianBook.com. It's sold on InterVarsity's website. You can go to the Borders and different bookstores and, and get it phys a physical copy. You can buy it on Amazon. If our views are a secret, then it's the worst kept secret in the world. We've done a terrible job of keeping this secret that, that allows us to stay uh, theologically ambiguous. When the fact of the matter is we've gone out of our way to make sure that we're not being theologically ambiguous, 
that we are being, that people know that we are theologically orthodox, while we might be ideologically heterodox. We don't have a problem with that. Uh, the problem isn't, though, that we've kept this a secret. Right. The folks saying that that's not their problem, that this has been kept a secret. They may or may not know that we have or not. The biggest problem, though, in general, is that people can't believe anything that doesn't fit their ideological framework. Their professor or their favorite celebrity told them that there's two ways to look at a certain issue and they refuse to believe that the Bible can call for something different. They've conflated their theology and their ideology. They don't know where their ideology or their theology begins and their ideology where the theology ends and their ideology begins. And that's problematic, but you see it over and over. When people can't take you questioning one element of their ideology, they can't take you questioning one person that they look to as an ideological idol. They'll say things like this, you know, the the Ann campaign can't possibly love their LGBTQ neighbors and not affirm homosexuality. Really? Not everybody has done it right. The, the church has gotten this wrong, but there are a lot of Christians who've been doing that for decades. And if that's the case, then when, why have we gone out of our way to convince the church that the LGBT community deserves basic human rights legislation? Why have we written letters to Congress and congressional committees and spoken to Senate staffers about the issue? Done more probably than a lot of people who are talking bad about us. Why have we partnered with LGBT groups to find legislation that helps both sides and makes that make sure that people are treated with dignity? Now, we don't expect our message or our efforts to get it to to be enough for progressive or conservative ideologues. But we're trying to be faithful. We don't have to agree, but we do have to protect our neighbors. And I think a lot of organizations, not just us, are making an effort to do that outside of the guidelines that are presented by these two major ideologies. Now, the truth of the matter is, when we got into this, we knew we would be attacked about our sexual ethic. We would be attacked about our perspective on social justice. We probably haven't even seen the beginning of those attacks. When you challenge those with privilege and with power, you, be, you better have counted the cost. You better not get on the field, as my coach used to say, if you're afraid of getting hit. But the truth of the matter is the saints in the pews trust us and the students in the schoolhouses and Christian schoolhouses and other places love us because by the grace of God, we're determined not to fold or cower in the face of pressure from the left or the right. That's what we've resolved. And we know we only make it to that point. We can only fulfill that in the imperfect way that we do through the grace of God. But that's the position we've taken. And as the great Kendrick Lamar once said, I'd rather die than to listen to you. Meaning, I'd rather die than to let you convince me to go against biblical principles. Than to allow you to compel me to distort the gospel and to knowingly profess false, false teaching. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Before I'd be a slave to conservatism or progressivism, I'd be dead and in my grave and go home to my Lord to be saved. 
That's the end campaign's position on scripture. It doesn't mean that we won't listen and work with those with whom we disagree. It doesn't mean that we won't admit if we misapply something. But we will not disregard areas where the scripture is clear to be loved by the world. And we're not changing these positions where we spent a long time, went over scripture, talked to theologians, talked to folks who had different experience. We're not changing those positions based on scripture on either of those issues based on someone's TikTok version of Christian theology. And we wouldn't be worth supporting. We wouldn't be fit to lead on anything if we weren't willing to risk that to stand on principles. We'll get things wrong. And when we find that we have, we'll admit it and repent if necessary. But again, we will not go against the, what the Bible has clearly stated in regard to social justice or the Christian sexual ethic to be loved by the world. So that you will not block us or unfollow us. That's not going to happen. That's not how doctrine works. That's not a solid rock on which we stand. It's not about our perfection. It's not that we can stand on some moral high ground and look down on anybody else. It's about the application of compassion and conviction as stated in the Bible, in the Gospels, consistently. It's about the the centering of Christ. It's about the eschatology and the, the fact that we're not worried necessarily about being on the right side of human history. We're worried about being on the right side of what God has said. For that day comes for all of us when we will have to answer to him. And that's what we're trying to do. As usual, Ann Camp, there is a cross that neither political conservatism nor progressivism is fit to bear. There's a civic hearing in need of faithful witnesses who love social justice and won't surrender the truth to be loved by the world. Politic with the boldness and compassion of Jesus Christ. Until next time, Ann Camp. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.